بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار so uh, today's topic from at-tahawi's creed is a, a short sentence and this topic in itself is actually a topic relating to the to the to the subject of fiqh however we see that in history there are times that uh, the people of innovation the people who go astray they might take a view or a position on an issue of fiqh but whose foundation uh, in whose foundation there is a deviation right they have a deviation and that deviation then leads them to take a certain position in a matter of fiqh and for that reason we see that in some of the books of the aqidah the scholars they bring in they mention some of these issues so like for example wiping over the socks <coughs> wiping over the socks which is rejected by some of the groups of bid'a uh, and and in this example that we will be going through today inshallah ta'ala this is another example so at-tahawi says rahimahullah وَفِي دُعَاءِ الْأَحْيَاءِ وَصَدَقَاتِهِمْ مَنْفَعَةٌ لِلْأَمْوَاتِ In the dua which is made by the living, the dua made by the living, and the charities that they give, there is benefit for the dead. The dead benefit from the dua of the living, and the sadaqat, the, the charities that they give. So, we'll start first of all just by giving a, 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 a quick a quick explanation from the speech of Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah. And the Sheikh begins by saying, هَذِهِ مَسْأَلَةٌ فِقْهِيَةٌ This is an issue of fiqh. وَلَهَا تَعَلَّقٌ بِالْعَقِيدَةِ But it has a connection to aqidah. And then he continues and he brings the hadith when the son of Adam, when he dies, his action is cut off except for three. And that is recurring charity, charity which he gave that continues in its effects after him. Knowledge which is benefited from and a righteous son who supplicates for him, who makes dua for him. So the shaykh then goes on to explain, to describe each of these three. And he says that when a person dies, his action is cut off by way of his death, except for anything which he himself was a cause of. So whatever he caused. So for example, he was a cause in charity that continues to benefit. He was a cause in knowledge that the people benefit from. And obviously his son is from his cause. He is the cause of his son. And so he benefits from the dua of his son. And so this righteous son makes dua for him, invokes Allah for him. And as for, the shaykh then says, as for those things which are besides this, meaning besides the things which he himself did not cause. Right? So let's be clear about what's going on. The things that he himself was a cause of, which continue after his death, there's no difference about this. This is agreed upon by, by everybody. There's no difference. But what about those affairs which he was not the cause of? Things that he wasn't the cause of by way of his own actions. The Sheikh says this is an issue in which differing has taken place. So he brings the ayah in the Quran in Surat uh, An-Najm. And this verse we will be uh, coming across a no- on a number of occasions in this lesson. And so this verse, وَأَلَّيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ إِلَّا مَا سَعَى وَأَلَّيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ إِلَّا مَا سَعَى That man shall have 
not accept what he strived for. This is a rough translation. So the Sheikh says that if we take this verse just upon what it actually says, it means that the action of a man will not benefit anyone besides him. Will not benefit anyone besides him. And so he says that some scholars took this verse and said that a person will not benefit except from his own action absolutely. Right, so they said, they, they interpreted this verse to mean that a person will only ever benefit from his own action. That's the starting point. And however the Shaykh says, the Prophet ﷺ, he clearly informed us of things by which a person benefits, which are from the actions of someone else. Or clearly, from them, such as Ad-Dua, such as Al-Istighfar, and clearly we see in the Quran, Surah Al-Hashar, Rabbana ghafir lana wali ikhwanina alladhina sabakuna bil iman. The believers they say, O oh, our Lord, forgive us and for our brothers and our brothers who preceded us in iman. Wastaghfir li dhambik walil mu'mineen wal mu'minat. Surah Muhammad. Seek forgiveness for your sin and for that of the believers and, and for the believers and for the, the believing men and the believing women. So clearly, ad-du'a for maghfira and you know making istighfar, this clearly is something that benefits someone else. And likewise, the Prophet ﷺ, he ordered the Muslims when they bury someone, they stand by his grave, they make you know they ask for istighfar, they ask for Allah's forgiveness for him, and they ask for him to be firm when he's being questioned. Um, Likewise, sadaqah, which is given charity for the dead, on behalf of the dead or for the dead. We know there are narrations where a man came and said that his mother has died, and that if she was living, she would order the giving of charity. So can I give charity on her behalf? And he said yes. Likewise, hajj. This benefits another person. And the evidences have come in that regard. When the messenger, hadith, uh, the, the number of hadith in this regard... Uh, so all of these evidences, what they indicate is that the action of someone else, al-du'a, al-istighfar, al-sadaqa, al-hajj, wal-umrah, all of these, they benefit the dead. And so the way some scholars look at it is that they say, they take the verse and they say the verse is very clear. You do not benefit from anyone else's actions. However, the sunnah has now come and the, the Qur'an has come with exceptions to the rule, right? So generally, nothing benefits. You benefit nothing from anyone else's actions. However, there is in the Qur'an and the sunnah certain exceptions to that. So therefore we have dua, we have istighfar, we have sadaqah, we have hajj, umrah, we have you know, uh, siyam. So this is one way of looking at the situation. This is one way of looking at the situation. So with that, we'll move to the commentary of Sheikh Salih al-Sheikh. And he begins by saying that regarding the statement, وَفِي دُعَاءِ الْأَحْيَاءِ وَصَدَقَاتِهِمْ مَنْفَعَةٌ لِلْأَمْوَاتِ In the dua of the living and the charities that they give is benefit for the dead. He says that in these sentences, Imam al-Tahawi, he, he, he mentions, or in the sentence he mentions the belief of Ahl-Sunnah that the dead benefits from the action of the living. And when a person dies, the benefit does not cut off. The benefit does not cut off. Rather, he will continue to benefit from certain actions or some actions. So, he mentioned here, At-Tahawi mentioned specifically two things. He mentioned Ad-Dua, the supplication of the living for the dead, that it benefits, and sadaqah, sadaqah with a general meaning. Sadaqah meaning not, not just wealth, but with a more general meaning, because sadaqah has a general meaning, and it has a specific meaning. Specific meaning is tied to wealth. General meaning can be in anything, sadaqah, in your speech, in your time, in, in joining good, forbidding uh, evil. Uh, sadaqah with, with a general meaning is more... You know, it's more general and more inclusive.
So in either of these two ways, a person can benefit from the actions of other people. Now, why did this become an issue? Because this this is, you know, end of the 3rd century, early 4th century. And so the reason why this has been discussed, because there, there was an issue taking place in that time, where the Mu'tazila, the Mu'tazila, uh, they, they, they obviously denied that a dead person can benefit from the actions of a living. And on that basis, they began to deny many a hadith. Just like they deny a hadith in the sifat, in the attributes of Allah. Just like they deny the hadith in relation to some of the things in the hereafter, like the pool, the hawd, the sirat, the scales, because they didn't agree with their reason. Similarly, they took certain verses, uh, like this verse, وَأَلَّيْسَ insan إِلَّا مَا سَعَى And they employed aql, they said, well, how can a dead person continue benefiting from the deeds of the living? It's not, this is not justice. This is not justice. Right? So, again, they're employing reason um, in something that, you know, reason cannot enter into. So, for that reason, At-Tahawi, He's obviously raised this issue and established the fact that a dead person can benefit from the actions of the living. Now, as we said, Aslan, this issue is not a matter of Aqeedah. It is not a matter of doctrine. It is a matter of, you know, what, what action. This is a matter connected to the issue of al is. You see the scholars when they discuss the issues of al is, they mention what are the things that benefit the dead. And then they bring evidences from the Qur'an and the Sunnah, Sadaqah, Hajj, Umrah. This is really a fiqh issue. However, because there's, there's a uh, connection to Aqeedah in the sense that certain well-known groups like the Mu'tazila, they went astray, they deviated, and they had a certain approach to the texts of the Qur'an and the Sunnah upon faulty foundations. Then the scholars saw it fit to include it within the books of Aqeedah. So, um, so with that introduction, then there's a number of masail, a number of benefits that we can derive from this sentence that the Shaykh mentions. So we have five or six that we will look at, inshallah ta'ala. So the first point, the first mas'ala that we will look at, inshallah, is that it is agreed upon by all the scholars of Ahl-Sunnati wal-Jama'ah from the people of Hadith, from the jurists, the fuqaha, from the people of tafsir, all these groups are agreed that there are two types of actions in which there is no difference. No one differs about these two types of actions. The first of them is ad-du'a. Ad-du'a. Du'a benefits. Du'a is something that Allah responds to, whether it is the living for the living or the living for the dead. And for this very reason, Allah Zawjal, He legislated Salatul Janazah. In Salatul Janazah, what are we doing? We are essentially, we are making Shafa'ah for the dead person. We are making, we are making Dua to Allah on behalf of the deceased. We are asking Allah to forgive the deceased. So we are making Dua or Shafa'ah, which whose meaning is in fact Dua. Shafa'ah means Dua. So uh, this Salat that we pray, there's no ruku', there's no sujood, rather we simply stand, we praise Allah, we extol Him, then we send salat upon the Messenger of Allah and then we make dua for the dead. And in this, incidentally, is something which informs us the etiquette of dua. In salatul janaza, look at what we do, we begin by praising Allah, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, after the first takbir. After the second takbir, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad. We send salat and salat upon the Messenger of Allah. And then thirdly, after the, the next takbir, we then start making dua for the deceased. So in this is a methodology for dua in general. Whenever, whenever you make dua in general for anything, then this is the the way, this is the etiquette, this is the adab of making dua. You begin, you raise your hand, you make dua, you, you first of all praise Allah, you extol Him, then you send salat upon the Messenger of Allah, then you ask for your need. Then you ask for your need. This type of dua is the one that is likely 
to be to be answered. Now coming back, uh, so this no doubt there is no uh, difference about this whatsoever, whatsoever. So this is something that is agreed upon, and likewise, what is agreed upon is giving charity on behalf of the dead. Uh, when you give physical wealth, we are speaking about physical wealth now, charity, sadaqa, sadaqa maliya, a person spends of that for the dead, for the, for, for the dead, to benefit the dead. This again is also agreed upon by the scholars of hadith, tafsir, fiqh. There is no difference about this whatsoever. The second category of actions now, so that's the first category of actions where there's uh, agreement. The second category of actions that the scholars are agreed upon, that Ahl Sunnah are agreed upon, is any action that a man, he himself, was a direct cause of. Now this goes back to the hadith. When the son of Adam dies, all of his actions are cut off except for three. And so in that there is mentioned, as we said, uh, recurring charity, knowledge which people benefit from, and a righteous son who makes dua for him. However, there are other things as well. Not just these three. There are other things which are mentioned in the evidences as well. For example, the hadith, Man da'a ila huda kana lahu min al-ujur mithla ujuri man ittaba'ahu la yunqusu dhalik min ujurihim shay'a. Whoever call to guidance he will have of rewards the likes of the rewards of whoever followed him and that will not diminish anything from their rewards so anyone who simply calls to guidance who in, who, call, who brings people to guidance likewise man sanna fil islam sannatan hasana kana lahu ajraha wa ajra man alima bi man amila biha ila yawm al qiyamah whoever introduced a good practice into Islam, then he will have the reward of it and the reward of whoever followed him in that who acted upon it up until the day of judgment. So the general principle and here is, irrespective of whichever example we're looking at, it is anything that you directly caused. Anything that you directly caused. You planted a tree. It bears fruits. The Muslims benefit from it. You dug a well in a certain place in, you know, in, in a needy land, and the people continue to benefit from that well. Anything that you directly had you know, uh, a, a role in, you negotiated something, for example, in which there was benefit for the Muslims, and that benefit continues to accrue after your death. You were the cause of that. So that negotiation that you, that you were involved in, that is something you will continue to benefit from. So in all these examples, you... you you were the suburb. You were the direct cause of that particular action. So, the point being now, because we are, we are moving through this topic systematically, so let's start with the things that are agreed upon. Right? There is no dispute about these two types of things. Dua, sadaqa, unanimously agreed upon. And any actions that you yourself were a cause of, that you know, continue after, after your death. So, no dispute about these two things. This now leads us to the second issue, which is the issues in which the scholars have differed. So the scholars differed in issues that are to do with the worship, the, you know, the acts of worship pertaining to the body. So for example, recitation of the Qur'an, the prayer itself, as-salah, as-siyam, and you know al-hajj and things of this nature these are actions which involve your own body these are bodily acts of worship whereas sadaqa is to do with wealth sadaqa is mal it is mal it is not not your body right these are things that you physically you have to engage in so regarding this topic this is a topic in which the scholars have differed in they have differed in and basically there are two views. The first view is the view of those who say that 
all of these deeds when performed by a person, they can benefit the dead. Even bodily deeds, a person's bodily deeds, they can benefit the person who is dead. This is the view of the majority of the Salaf. Majority of the Salaf. Uh, it is cited from them uh, by Ibn Taymi, Rahimahullah, Ibn Al-Qayyim, and others, other scholars as well. Imam Abu Hanifa is upon this view, Imam Ahmad is upon this view, and a group of people from the Ahlul Hadith, Ahlul Hadith wal Athar, after them. There are the view that the dead person can benefit with anything that the living, you know, with which he worships Allah, he becomes closer to Allah, then he donates the reward of those deeds to the dead. Right? This is the view of these scholars that, yes, this is, this is the view that they are upon. There is another group of scholars who say, that who basically say that, and this is the view of Imam Malik, Imam Shafi'i, and another group of scholars who say that the dead does not benefit from the striving of the living, except in the uh, in any of the actions which involve the body. So they deny this, such as prayer, recitation of the Quran, fasting, and so on and so forth. Rather, the only thing they benefit from is worship that involves wealth. Right, so you see now the difference now between the, 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 the two groups of scholars. So you know the things that were agreed upon at the beginning, a dua, sadaqa, and anything that a man himself, with his body and his person, he himself was a direct cause of. This is now agreed upon. Now we come to the difference. The difference is, some scholars say, that you can benefit from the bodily actions of the living. And other scholars say, no you can't, you can't. Rather, you can only benefit from that which is, you know, specifically mentioned, which is uh, a sadaqah, which is, uh, which is uh, righteous actions which involve wealth, not the actual physical body. So, so now we understand the difference, right? We have to resolve this difference. How do we make sense of this difference? What is correct? What are the evidences? How do we understand the correct evidences? So this is where we are going in what follows. So in order to do that, this is now point number three. Point number two was the differences. Point number three is, let's first of all just look that, look at the evidences that prove to us that in principle, the dead can benefit from the living. What are those evidences? Let's start with those evidences first of all. That in principle, the living can benefit the dead. The dead in the graves can benefit from those who, who are still alive. The foundation for that are numerous texts. We'll mention a small selection of them. First of all, the statement of Allah Azawajal, Surah Al-Hashr, we mentioned earlier. وَالَّذِينَ جَاءُوا مِن بَعْدِهِمْ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا غْفِرْ لَنَا وَلِإِخْوَانِنَا أَلَّذِينَ سَبَقُونَا بِالْإِيمَانِ وَلَا تَجْعَلْ فِي قُلُوبِنَا غِلًّا لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا رَبَّنَا إِنَّكَ رَؤُوفُ الرَّحِيمِ And those who came after them, they say, O our Lord, forgive us and our brethren who came before us, who preceded us in Iman. And do not make in our hearts any hatred towards them. O our Lord, indeed you are merciful and you are, you are forgiving, you, you are compassionate and you are merciful. Also the statement of the Messenger of Allah that we mentioned earlier, when the son of Adam dies, his action is cut off, except for three, recurring charity, knowledge by which benefit is taken, and a righteous son who calls upon him, who calls upon Allah for him, who makes dua to Allah, for him, for his, for his deceased parent. And likewise the hadith of a man who came and he said, Indeed, my mother has passed away, and if she was alive, then she would have given the wasiyah to give charity. So can I give charity on her behalf? He said, Yes. Likewise the hadith of um, the man who came to the Prophet ﷺ, and he requested that he wanted to do hajj on behalf of a dead person. And he was granted permission for that. And also a woman who said, Indeed, my mother has died. She has never made hajj. Can I make hajj on her behalf? And the messenger of Allah, he said, Do you see if she had a debt? Wouldn't you fulfill that debt? If she owed someone money and then you know she passed away, wouldn't you fulfill that debt? The woman said, Yes. Then the messenger of Allah, he said, Then 
then فَقْضِ anha. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ أَحَقُّ بِالْقَضَى Then fulfill this for her, meaning fulfill the hajj for her. Do it on her behalf and remove the, you know, uh, do it on her behalf. So, we can see that also from the actions which which come into this is the, 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 the topic of al-awqaf. Al-awqaf is something when a person, you know, he, he makes a donation, uh, he donate, donates some wealth or a building, for example, uh, this is what we call waqf. It is like like the public trust. It is given for the use of the public as a trust, right? This comes into also. Uh, this has a basis in the the, the 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 Islamic texts. So this is another type of proof that shows that you know this is something by which the dead continue to uh, benefit from. So. So now we can clearly see, we, we know that the asal of the benefit, the asal of the benefit is basically established. And also from this is as-siyam, which is fasting. And fasting, man mata wa alihi sawm, sama anhu waliyuh. Whoever dies and he has some fasting, then his wali fasts on his behalf. So in other words, that fasting which a person, you know, the scholars differ which fasting it's speaking about, but the obligatory fasting, if a person missed fasts and he has to make them up, or a person made an oath and he broke the oath, so he has to make the fasting of kafara, and he didn't do it, right? This is fasting which is wajib as well. It's wajib to do those, those, those fasts. So if he dies and he hasn't done those fasts, then his wali can fulfill those fasts for him. Right. This is another proof that the living can uh, can benefit uh, the dead, and so all of these texts. There is all of the texts when, for example, people came and asked the messenger of Allah, "Can I give charity on behalf of my mother? Can I do Hajj on behalf of my mother? Can I give charity on behalf of my uh, father or mother?" There's a certain way to understand them, as the Sheikh explains. What the Sheikh explains is that these types of evidence indicate that this is actually general for all actions. Why is that? Why is it? It is because in these examples it is not the case that the Messenger of Allah initiated from himself, from the point of view of legislating, that he said, Hajj benefits the dead, Umrah benefits the dead, charity benefits the dead. And therefore this now becomes legislation on his behalf, right? You understand that, yeah? That the messenger comes and then he specifies certain things. These examples, we see that this is not how it took place. This is not how it took place. Rather what we see that an individual came to the messenger of Allah and he asked a question. And obviously anyone besides the messenger is not a legislator. He came, he asked the question, can I do Umrah for my mother? Can I give this wealth because my mother would have you know, uh, commanded that it be given in charity, so can I give it on her behalf? Right? The people are asking questions and the messenger is simply saying, yes you can. Right? So therefore, because this is how we know of these scenarios, you cannot therefore say that these are exceptions. Right? You can only say that if the Messenger of Allah came and from his own accord, from his own self, he initiated the ruling and the clarification that do Umrah because it, it is from those things that benefit the dead. Right? It didn't work like that. It was the other way around. People coming and asking about different things. So on that basis, what the Sheikh is saying, that on that basis, therefore, that these things, therefore, are left in general. Because there is no evidence in differentiating between one deed and another deed. Right? So this now is this now is the next issue that we need to the need to understand. The third issue. That the asal of benefit is established. We know that the living can benefit the dead by way of numerous proofs in the Quran and the Sunnah. And the way those proofs have come to us, some of those proofs they are such that they give us the, the impression of generality. Yes, that's clear so far. Now, 
Now we come to the to the to the to to, to the issue, which is that the scholar who the scholars who spoke of this generalization are the likes of Ibn Al Qayyim, most of the Salaf, Imam Ahmed and his companions, Ibn Taymiyyah, uh, even the, those from the Aimmatul Dawa, from uh, the likes of Shaykh Islam, Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahab and his off, you know those from his offspring, some of them from his offspring, they are of this view, and those who are upon the other view are the ones who restrict it only. To the specific examples, because that's how they see the evidences, right? So is that clear now? We want to resolve this difference. How do we resolve this difference? How can we make sense of this? So this is where we are going to move to next, inshallah. So what we have to do in order to understand this difference is that we have to make a distinction between two things. Two things. The first thing is what we call ibtida'ul ibadah. Ibtida'ul ibadah. I'll explain what this means in a minute. Ibtida'ul ibadah, which means to initiate an act of worship from the very beginning. And the second thing is ihda'ul thawab, which means to give the reward, to donate the reward, to give the reward. Right? These are two separate things now. These are two separate things. So, Let's explain each one. In the first example, ibtida'ul ibadah, what we are speaking about here is when a person, he initiates an act of worship and from the very beginning, his intention is to do it for someone else. Right? From the very beginning, before he commences the action, he's thinking right now, I am going to do this prayer on behalf of my deceased father, on behalf of my deceased mother, right? So the act of worship from the very beginning is being done for the deceased. This is what we call ibtida'ul ibadah, from the very beginning. And now with this type of action, we can see that there are some evidences that allow this type of action. Which one of those? It is sadaqah. Yes? You are allowed, from the beginning you have a bit of wealth and you say to yourself, I am about to, do, uh, I am about to give charity, but I, am the, but I am giving this charity on behalf of my deceased parents. Right? It's, it's as if you are, you are like a delegate. You are a representative. Right? You're saying, I am doing this action on behalf of so-and-so, from the very beginning. This now is very clear in the evidences, right? Especially in relation to charity, in those actions where there is a specific evidence. Likewise, Umrah, for example, you begin, you say that I'm going to do this action from the very beginning um, on behalf of my deceased parent. So, apart from these specific examples, all other examples, you cannot begin by saying, right, you, you can't stand up and say, right, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to pray two nafal prayers. And this prayer that I'm doing right now is being done for my deceased parent. You can't do that. Right? For all other acts of worship. Is that clear? Apart from those in which there is specific evidence, which is sadaqah and umrah and, you know, whatever, whatever else is like that. So, uh, so that that is clear now. This is what we call ibtida'ul ibadah. Ibtida'ul ibadah. You can't fast for someone else. You can't initiate fasting for someone else from the very beginning, right? Because you can't act as a delegate for someone else for someone else. Now, um, so so this is very clear. We can see that there are some instances in which the evidences are, are clear, but we can't do, for example, stand up and start praying and say, "Oh, oh Allah." This salat, I'm doing it on behalf of my father or my mother. Or Allah, this fasting, I'm doing it as, you know, as a delegate on behalf of my father or my mother. Because no evidence has come uh, from this, with respect to this. So what this shows is that you can't, you can't be a delegate, you can't delegate yourself for actions of someone else. And initiate actions from the very beginning. As for the second situation, which we called what? Ihda'u thawab which means this now is a different situation. It's a different scenario. In this scenario, you begin an act of worship and you're doing it for yourself. 
You sit there and you say, oh Allah, I'm going to recite some Quran for you. It is my action. So you sit and recite the Quran. Or you do a fast. The fast is for you. A nafal fast. Or you pray. A nafal prayer. It is for you. It is for you. So you do all of this action. Once you have completed the action that you did for yourself, then you say, Oh Allah, make the reward of my recitation, my prayer, my fasting, whatever else, make it for my father or my mother. Or anyone you know who has some sort of relationship or a connection to him. So the Sheikh says that this action, there is nothing to prohibit this action. Because when an act of worship, it is done and it is done properly and correctly and a person acquires the reward and the reward is established, then all a person is doing is directing something that he owns and giving it to someone else as an act of kindness and as an act of benevolence. Right? Now this is totally different to the first situation. To the first situation. The first situation is from the very beginning, you are kind of being a delegate for someone else. You're saying, this action I'm doing it on behalf of such and such. Well, you can't do that because you can't delegate actions. Your actions are for yourself. That's different to this situation. You do the action yourself. A correct, righteous action with the right intentions. In agreement with the sunnah. When you have completed it, and Allah you know, you know that there is reward for it, then you simply say, Oh Allah, give something of this reward or all of this reward to someone else. So, by making this distinction between the first scenario and the second scenario, we are perhaps able to understand why the scholars differed. Right? Why they differed. So the scholars who said, no, a person can only benefit from his own deeds. Nothing else, apart from those exceptions. They, they are perhaps coming from the first angle, right? That a man, right, you can't be a delegate for someone else's actions from, from the beginning, from the outset, which is correct. That's true. That's correct. So they are correct from that angle. And from the other angle, those who hold the other view, like Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Al-Qayyim, and so on and so forth, who hold this view, then they are coming from this angle. That you are not doing the action from the beginning for someone else, on behalf of someone else, you are doing it for yourself. But then you are offering out of generosity your reward to someone to someone else. So we have to make this uh, distinction. We have to make this di distinction between these two issues. And uh, the Sheikh says, for that reason, we find that the scholars who are mutahakkikun bi sunnah, those who look at the sunnah and you know, clarify what is correct in, in the sunnah. They have gone to the view that it is permissible to donate the reward of deeds. Like Imam Ahmed, Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Al-Qayyim, a group of the scholars of the da'wah like Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, Rahimahullah and others. And those who prohibited this, then maybe they didn't make this distinction between ibtida'ul ibadah and between ihda'ul thawab. And that's why they went to that particular view. So, uh, so there's nothing to prohibit the donating of reward. Is that clear? All right. This brings us now to the fourth point, which is, well, what about the evidences then? Let's have a look at this evidence. That the second group of scholars to say, a person cannot benefit from anything. Right? Uh, you know, uh, if he's dead, from, from anything of what the living do. The evidence they brought is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, وَأَلَّيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ إِلَّا مَا سَعَى وَأَلَّيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ إِلَّا مَا سَعَى This is Surah An-Najm, Surah 53, verse number 39. Verse number 39. So, now, as we said, there are two groups of people who stick to this verse. The first are the group of scholars from Ahlul Sunnah, who of that view that we mentioned, but the second are the Mu'tazila. The Mu'tazila. But they are coming from a devious angle. They are coming from a devious angle. Hence why this was included in, in, in the creed of At-Tahawi. So we have to now clarify what this verse really means. How do we correctly understand what this verse means? In light of what we discussed. 
So the answer to that, we look at this verse, there are two, two angles to it. Uh, the uh, two, two, uh, the, uh, two angles to it. First of all, is وَأَلَّيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ وَأَلَّيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ The lamb, the lamb, the lamb in لِلْإِنسَانِ What is the meaning of this lamb? In English we say that man will have, man will have nothing except what he strives for. But the lamb, the lamb here, because the lamb can be used for, with different meanings. This is the lamb of what they call milk, milk. Milk meaning ownership. The lamb of milk. And you can say mulk as well, the milk. Uh, uh, which, which means ownership. So in other words, what the ayah means, that man is not the owner except of his own deeds. He owns only his own deeds. This is the meaning. To explain. For example, if Zaid gives charity uh, to 20 orphans and he builds them you know, a house or a home, he now is the owner of those deeds. Those deeds, he, they belong to him. Abdullah has got no ownership over those deeds. Abdullah has his own deeds. Abdullah is the one who, for example, printed a book. Or he, you know, uh, gave charity to some widows. Right? He is the owner of those deeds. Right? So every person is the owner of his own deeds. This is the meaning. This is the meaning of, of the verse. Right? That you own your own deeds. No one else can you know, say, oh, well, I'll, I'll take some of yours and you know, the deeds you did, I'll take some of them. They belong to me now. Every person owns his own deeds. So the lamb is the lamb of ownership. A man will only own. A man will only possess. A man will only control and have authority over his, his own deeds. His own striving. This is the meaning of, of, of the ayah. And so once we understand this, that's the uh, first point. And so that's, a, that, that, so that's an evidence which is used from the Qur'an. As for the evidence which is used from the Sunnah, by this group, they say, the Hadith, that when a man dies, his action is cut off except for three. Right. Again, this Hadith is not a proof. Why is it? Why is this Hadith not a proof? Why is it not a proof to show that the dead cannot benefit from the living? Say that again. Yeah. What's the hadith saying? His actions are cut off. All it's saying is that this person now cannot do any more deeds. It's not saying he can't continue to benefit. Where does it say he can't benefit? All it's saying is, it's obvious. A man dies, he's left the, uh, the abode of taklif. When you are in this life, this is the abode of taklif. Taklif meaning responsibility. Right? He's died now. He's in the barzakh. There's no action in the barzakh. So obviously, naturally, his action is now cut off. He can't do any deeds in the barzakh. It's finished. Right? So all of his actions now are cut off. There is no action for him. And then the hadith explains, except what he like was a cause of. That continues to take place. But there's nothing in this hadith that says you can't benefit from the living. Do you get it? There's a difference between your action being cut off, you can't act anymore, and between continuing to benefit. The, this hadith is not speaking about that. So you cannot use this hadith to say that the dead cannot benefit from the living at all in anything. It is a wrong uh, istidlal from, from, you know, from the hadith. So once we understand uh, this point, then we know that the arguments which are brought by the Mu'tazila on the one hand, right, or on the one or on the other hand, those scholars who hold the view that a man cannot benefit in anything apart from those specific exceptions, then we know that these evidences are not really understood. They're not understood soundly. They're not understood correctly. Whether the ayah, وَأَلَّيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ or the hadith, إِنْقَطَعَ عَمَلُهُ Right? So that is now clear as well. This now brings us to the uh, fifth point, fifth and sixth final points. 
Uh, the fifth point is the fifth point is that we see that some of the people of bid'ah, what they do, and this is where we have to be careful now, because as people of the sunnah, it's important for us to understand that sometimes we, without fully understanding issues, we might go out and we might start, for example, scolding people of bid'ah uh, on account of things that we don't really fully understand. We might be negating something that is actually affirmed, thinking that we are warning from bid'ah. Right? So this is where we have to be careful now. So, as you know, there are, there are people from the people of bid'ah, what they do is they gather people together, in, you know, when someone dies, for example, and they'll gather them together on the third or the fourth day, and they'll, you know, uh, get them to recite 50 Qur'ans, 100 Qur'ans, and, you know, a thousand Yasins, and a, uh, half a million Fatihas, and whatever else, and they'll count them on uh, kidney beans, and, uh, you know, whatever else. So all of this, and they, they basically, they pay people sometimes, they hire people, uh, they will pay people to recite the, the Qur'an. So we all know this, this takes place in many communities, and uh, this is this is very clear that this is a bid'ah. This is a bid'ah. This is not acceptable from two angles. First of all, to pay someone to do this deed, it nullifies ikhlas from the very beginning. Right? So this action is not for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to begin with. So aslan it is, it is fasid. And secondly, the manner in which this is done, where you gather people together in a group and they recite. So the whole way of doing this in its form in the way that it's done, this is a bid'ah. This is a bid'ah. Right? In the form and the way that it is done. So, now, obviously, when someone comes along, a person of the sunnah, he comes along, and he now wants to show rejection, or he wants to, you know, correct this practice, and he comes along and starts saying, this is, you know, this is evil, this is bad, this is this, is whatever. And he doesn't understand what we've discussed in this lesson. He doesn't understand like the finer details that we discussed. That there are some scholars who say the dead does not benefit from the living except in certain things. And there are some scholars who say, well actually any righteous deed can be done and can be given after it's been done, the reward can be donated to someone else. Right? Because the scholars are upon that. Ibn al-Qayyim, Ibn Taymiyyah, uh, many of the, the, the Salaf, most of the Salaf Right? They're upon this view because they're upon this view on the basis of what they see of evidences in the Quran and the Sunnah. So, it means that if you're not really clear about, about this, you might, uh, you might start... Um, so what will happen is these people will then go back to their alim. They will go back to the Braille alim or whoever else and they'll say, this person, you know, he's, he's saying such and such and such. And then that alim will come and he'll pick out the writings of Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn al-Qayyim, and Imam Ahmad, and he'll say, look, these people are just uh, ignorant Wahhabis who do not want you to benefit your, right, your, 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 you know, your deceased people, the evil people. So you, you now made a mistake because you weren't clear about the, the tafsil in this issue, and then you've allowed those people to be cemented in their misguidance. Do you understand? Right? So that's why we have to be very clear on these issues that whenever we are enjoining good, prohibiting evil, that we know what we are, we, we, we know the tafasil. So in this case, what we would say to these people is say, look, there is no doubt that the dead can benefit from the living. This is from the mercy and the rahmah of Allah Azawajal, that he allowed a person to benefit not only from his own deeds, but from the deeds of other people. And from those deeds a person can benefit from is ad-du'a, as-sadaqah, and likewise, even righteous actions, there are scholars who hold this view that you can donate the rewards of righteous actions. However, that way has to be in agreement with the sunnah. And what you are doing in this manner of paying people to read or gathering them together at specific times, this form of doing it is a bid'ah. Even though the action in principle, it is something that many of the scholars, they allow. So, what we are speaking about, what, what we are speaking against, is the way that you're doing. You're doing it wrong, don't do that. 
Rather, if you as individuals, one by one, just individually, you're sat in your house and you think, you know what, let me just read the Qur'an, I'll do wudu, I'll sit, I'll read the Qur'an, I'll read the juz, I'll do it for the sake of Allah to seek nearness to Allah. And so once I know that that righteous deed of mine, which I own, which I possess, is completed, then out of charity I will give it to someone else. You do that on your, You do that by yourself. The scholars, they allow this. You do that by yourself. But as for getting together in a group, you know, making food, choosing a certain day, all of this is a bid'ah because it does not agree with, 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 with the sunnah. So, so it's important to, to again, that when we, when we uh, correct the people of bid'ah, we have to do it upon ilm and be sure about the issues that we, that we are speaking of. Otherwise, we will bring more harm than good. And you will only lead people to be cemented in their, mis- in their misguidance rather than being pulled away from it and inclining towards the, the sunnah. Uh, and so, uh, so this brings us to the uh, final point, the sixth and final point, a uh, short point, which is simply that uh, when, when At-Tahawi said, وَصَدَقَاتِهِمْ So he had dua and he said, sadaqatihim, the sadaqat. Sadaqa, as we said, two meanings. The first is just very specific, which means wealth, mal. And the second meaning is more general. It can be anything, uh, anything that, that a person does. Ilm, dhikr, reciting Quran, enjoying good, prohibiting evil. All of this can enter under the general meaning of a sadaqa. You know, the, the general sadaqa. The general uh, sadaqa. And so these are obviously the nawafil, the acts of obedience, the voluntary acts of obedience. All of them they can benefit the dead person when the reward is given to them after the action has been completed in accordance with the view of those particular scholars that we mentioned. So this brings us to the end of, uh, of the lesson. Um, and so hopefully that makes uh, everything clear. And uh, you know, so this is something that Ibn Taymiyyah does discuss. He ha- actually has a, a specific risala on the subject. I forget the name now. And... Uh, his his general view about this is that he says that the evidences indicate this. The evidences indicate that yes, you can donate the rewards of deeds to others, even though it wasn't a practice of the salaf. Right? Even though it wasn't something that they would routinely do. But the evidences from the Quran Sunnah, they indicate this. They indicate this. Even though it wasn't something that the Salaf themselves actually actually did. This is actually the view he comes to in one of his uh, uh, Rasail in relation to this specific issue. That's the conclusion that we generally come to by looking at his at his writings. So that's the tafsil in this issue. Uh, and we'll conclude with that there, inshallah ta'ala. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.